bum you with open arms. Is that so? How late do you stay open? You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know. And they'll say, why she wouldn't even harm a fly. What's up, everybody? You're listening to NoCo Cinema here on WGM+. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. My name is Tom Hush. I'm just so happy that I get to be talking to two of our favorite guests here. One, you know, uh, he was recently on our board of review, Mr. Matt Cipolla. He's a fantastic film critic for Film Monthly and many other different uh, outlets. I, I feel like you just had a recent article in a new website. Isn't that right, Matt? Yeah, I had a thing on Brightwall Dark Room about the killing of a sacred deer. And it's satire of the 1%. It was their uncanny issue. Um, so that was my my contribution to it. So that's up now. You can go find that. Fantastic. And, of course, all of his uh, all of his reviews are – you can find them on Twitter. It's at Sapola Matt. And uh, it's – you know, he's one of my favorite people to read. He always – under. I feel like you really understand – films we we look at them in the same way so it's really nice to get your take on things even when we don't agree which we might have to get into disagreement on some things later but uh we're going to be talking a little bit of chicago independent film festival with matt but also joining us uh one of the og guests on no co cinema mr john davies he is the creator the the one of the driving forces behind cinema obscura which is a screening series here in the city of chicago showcasing some of the best uh independent filmmakers all around the city and he's got some big news cinema obscura is going broadcast is that right we're We're going going live, live baby on uh, Can TV, C-A-N-TV, Cinema Obscura is going to debut as a live broadcast on Can TV starting November 5th at 11 p.m. And that's Channel 19. You're going to have to che- check with your cable fri- provider. Make sure you have it. But Channel 19 on cable. Um, and we we just have to celebrate this. And also, it's your birthday. It's my birthday. It's your birthday. So happy birthday, John. Thank uh, you. So many great things happening with Cinema Obscura. So let's talk a little bit about uh, getting on Can TV. How did these uh, gears get turning? Because I know we had talked in person about this a long time ago, about you wanting to turn Cinema Obscura into a live broadcast show. Mm-hmm. So how did we get to here? Honestly, it was... Uh... 100% due to Ava Threlko. She uh, joined the team a few months back, had some connections at Can TV, and just threw the doors open and made it all happen. I could not have done this without her help. So, Ava, if you're out there listening, thank you so much. Shout out to Ava. You're the best. So, what, I mean, how how did these connections work? Should, did she just go into Can TV and be like, listen, Cinema Obscura should be on your channel. Yep. At least, you know, once a week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're very open to having new broadcasters or anybody come in for programming. Um, as long as you live in the city of Chicago and you're doing stuff like this, please check them out. Mm-hmm. They're 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 solid at what they do. Is and it, it's is public access the create the correct term for them or like how do how does yeah. can work? Yeah, it's definitely public access. Uh, not, uh, I believe it's non for profit. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but yeah, public access, free to watch. Uh, it's, uh, uh, I do it. I'm so excited. Seriously, I'm, I'm more excited for the filmmakers than myself. But these filmmakers are going to be in thousands and thousands of homes across the city, across the state, hopefully across the country, and 
that's the right direction that I wanted to go with this thing. And you were telling us some of the cra- I mean, you've got a crazy number of filmmakers that are coming on for this first season. How many people can we expect to see? There's about three dozen three filmmakers dozen. or wow. groups coming at you this year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just the first series. I want to do, ideally, I'd like to do two to three of these series per year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if can, uh, can TV loves what we're doing, we're coming back with much more. And there will be no repeats. If we do another eight hour uh, miniseries, you won't see the same thing twice. Really? It'll be brand new stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much content. I mean, there's so many people making short films um, throughout this entire city. Yep. Tell us a little bit about how this is going to look for the for the viewer is it going to be are you going to be presenting it or just going to be kind of playing some of the films in in just a certain order like pre put together like what's it going to look like yeah it's it's basically uh i mean we did start off the show saying it was live it's not technically live we're just going live on air um it's a uh, curated show basically the the best of the best are my favorites or those who were able to fill out the release form and get that back to me on time. <laughs> those are the ones who are getting the first season. Yeah. Um, after that, you know, it's going to go nuts and it's going to go way uphill. But, uh, yeah, it's just a combination of short films, animation, music videos, documentaries, all the stuff that you would have seen at any of our TV party uh, events throughout the city here. And it's literally the best of the best of everything that we've been sharing. Yeah. And those TV parties are so much fun. They're a blast, um, yeah. It, it's. I find it interesting that we're going to, with having Cinema Obscura on Can TV, it's kind of harkening back to a different time of television that was a little bit, maybe a little bit more dangerous, a little bit more like event driven yep. in the sense that, you know, you set your calendar, you set your clock, you're like, okay, I've got to tune into Can. That's what I'm hoping. That's you what I'm hoping. S- you sit around, you know, you got some chips, you mm-hmm. know, get a six pack of beer and like just tune in. Yeah. So why was it so important for you to get Cinema Obscura on a broadcast platform? For the filmmakers. Like I wanted, the the whole idea of this thing was to get an audience for these filmmakers. You know, when these independent movies are done, most of these people just, you know, throw their movie up on Vimeo or YouTube or literally shelf it and never go back to it. And I want to take that off the shelf. I want to spread it around. I want to get an audience of filmmakers for filmmakers Obviously, if more people watch it, the better. But the main idea is to get it, get and build a network of filmmakers for filmmakers. Yeah, and I think it kind of fights against this current idea of the streaming thing. Like we really thought streaming. Oh, finally, we're going to get to a point where like you could just find anything yeah. and you could just watch whatever you want. And everybody can participate. But ultimately, with this world we live in, with algorithms and like you know different interests trying to push certain films you're really not getting into the you know more independent stuff as we thought we were more of the weird more obscure things it's just not available to people because you have to scroll through pages and pages and pages of amazon prime netflix Mm -hmm. all this you have to just sift through so much crap and i love the idea of curation because if you're getting into film you need you kind of need someone to show you the way a little bit, yeah, and absolutely. eventually you develop your own taste and you mm-hmm. know what you like. But I know my first cinema obscura; it was so helpful because it just gave me a new gateway into be like these are the people you need to be paying attention yep. to. Yeah, exactly. You know all these people, yeah. and the, these are some people we know very well. Uh, guests on the show: New Trash, uh, Mari Ulrich, Dustin Puler, um, stuff from Suburban Skies, Bummer Camp Media. Yep. Wow. 
Soft it's cage. Like, You've had just about yeah. everybody that I've worked with on this show. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> this show is built. Uh, forget me and Connor's show is built by John Davis. <laughs> He's been running this show from behind the scenes. I'll take my 10% right now then. Thank yes, you very much. Please. 10% of zero. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. So uh, when it comes to picking the films, you know, whether it's for the live TV parties or for this, what is what is it you're looking for? What helps you curate these particular films? Because as we said, a lot of people making films out here. I've mm. seen a lot of stuff myself. And, you know, I've tried to move past this idea of good and bad film and just get to this, like, effective and ineffective. Because mm. um, I don't want to tell people what that their art is bad. I, I think it's really hard to say when art is bad. But how do you decide this is what's going to be Cinema Obscura for this week or for this series? Well, when I do the live events, uh, say at Logan Theater, Atomics, you know, wherever I'm doing those, it's pretty much just whatever's fresh for that day. Mm -hmm. You know, if I get a new filmmaker, I'm going to put their stuff up front. I don't care. The, I mean, I'm not going to say I don't care the quality, but the quality, the acting isn't really that important to me. It's the material that's there. It's the person that's there. Mm -hmm. And it's the fact that they went through the trouble to make it. You know, it, even if it's not... 100% awesome and I don't love it I'm going to share it because they put their heart into it and they love it and that's what's important mm -hmm. uh, something about Cinema Obscure I've always really liked and I think part of this has to do with my own uh, TV upbringing is that when I was young uh, Adult Swim premiered mm -hmm. and that was very much a thing that warped my brain a certain way and mm -hmm. like it, it introduced me to this idea of curating strange things and yeah. things that you would never normally see on primetime television um and i feel like cinema obscura fills that kind of it, it fills that niche it's like it scratches that itch for something strange and um something you can just turn on and be like okay let's see what's going to happen here. exactly yeah there was a there was a television program here I believe it was canceled in 1992, but it was Image Union. It was on WTTW, mm -hmm. and it's literally what I'm doing. It's just a collection of random man-on-the-street videos, weird animation, short films, uh, music videos, and it was all curated by somebody at WTTW, and they threw it up on public access. And it's very, very similar to what I'm doing, so I'm just kind of continuing that that thought process and yeah. getting it out there. And there's a great tradition of curated, um, like uh, t television or film shows in Chicago itself. I mean, uh, we can talk about more traditional ones like Svenguli mm -hmm. or even family classics on WGN TV. That was like, a, that was a huge thing for people. It was really a part of their home and really a part of their, their weekly programming and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, even your TV party live series, I'm guessing sharing a name with the original TV party, which was, yeah. um, I, I think the story goes that it was David Letterman's favorite show mm -hmm. was TV party. Uh, how, how do you feel that you're paying homage to that style of television programming? I'm thinking with the randomness of it, mm -hmm. you never know what you're going to get at a TV party. You know, it's going to be just weird. It's going to be scary. It's going to be funny. It's going to be informative. You never know what's coming. Yeah. So it's, you know, that, that's really what I'm trying to do is just to reach out from the center of my spider web in as many directions as possible to grab all these people and bring them in. 
Something that you often talk about on social media, and if you don't follow John on social media, you need to. You Cinema need Obscura. To. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the some of the funniest uh, internet content I get to I get to see every single day. Oh, thanks, I appreciate but, that. But uh, something you talk about a lot is people bringing weirder stuff into their home, mm-hmm. not that Hobby Lobby style. You know, live, laugh, love. Uh, ble- bless this mess, kind of like yeah. rustic boards in their in their house, but. Uh, what does weird art do for people? Why do people need to have weirder stuff in their life? It just cracks your mind open. And you got to, I mean, without it, it's just black and white. Mm-hmm. You know, the world is full of pink and blue and yellow and green and orange and so much more than just black and white. You need to crack that open. You need to open your eyes. When it comes to advancing the uh, the Can TV broadcast, what what do you hope for the future? I mean, you've you've said that you want maybe another couple series, couple limited series uh, every year, and um, you know, just trying to get fresh stuff in there. But do you ever think you want to host like a variety thing, like a Svengoolie in a sense? You know, do some more live stuff, like shooting in the studio. I would love to. I would love to do something like that. A variety show would be excellent. You know, something like a Letterman or a Carson would be fantastic. Yeah. You know, get 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 a platform for these artists and filmmakers to do their stuff in front of a big audience. Mm-hmm. That would be key for me. I would love that. Yeah. I think Chicago is severely wanting at times for things like that. I we mean, need it. We need it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's people out there doing a lot of fun live stuff. Chicago is a great city to go find underground comedy, underground um, stuff. I mean, unfortunately, we've reached the demise of the Uptown Underground, but uh, that was something near me that I was just like, wow, I can't believe we have this weird place that's open like sometimes, Mm -hmm. and you just go in there and you've just got crazy burlesque shows, like super talented people doing just really fascinating things so hopefully we can we can put that on air and make chicago weird again or something like that that's the idea you know like like i just said like these people work so hard on these projects and there is no reason for these projects to be sitting on shelves for nobody to see or sitting on youtube for just random people to see i want to throw them in front of an audience i want to make sure that these people that make and pour their hearts in all of these films and music videos and whatever are recognized yeah you know seems like a return to sincerity in a lot of ways mm-hmm. like i'm i'm tired of this postmodern world yeah i'm sick of feeling disconnected from things that's that's where i come and, in and uh you know the media the media doesn't really help in terms of you know i spend hours on netflix mm-hmm. just fucking hours maybe i'll watch this i don't know you yeah. know watch it for 20 minutes i'm like oh this really isn't grabbing me and then i end up watching reruns of uh I watch old episodes of It's Always Sunny because it's just, you yeah. know, I know I like this. Right. And I've, it sucks because I, I feel like I'm a person that tries to find new things. And there are services that are out there that I think do a good job. Like um, I've recently become like a, an evangelist for the streaming service Shutter. Okay. And I'm just like, this is, if, if you're going to have a streaming service that will give you actually curated stuff like there i've i've talked to people who work at shutter that are like their job is literally to try and procure certain films like it it reminds me a little bit of chicago-based um record label numero group if you're familiar with them i'm not yeah they're they're Mm -hmm. they're small time and literally what they do they're kind of almost an archive label where they just like 
the the head of the label is just like you know what there's this there was a soul song in the 70s you know that no one ever really heard but it's so good can mm-hmm. we find it and then they'll release a compilation and uh i feel like cinema obscura is that sort of thing it's just like yeah no there's this there's this guy who made this crazy short i really want to find that exactly. can we find that and put it out mm-hmm. um and then shutter you know shutter is a streaming service that does that it's like where it's literally the only streaming service i've found that has both classic like you can watch Psycho. You can watch the original Halloween. You can watch some of its sequels, which are, sh- you know, kind of shitty, but all right. You know, <laughs> the fall and a bunch of weird foreign stuff. And I'm just really glad that um, media is getting weird again. And um, I wanted to ask you, what? how do you keep fresh? Because, you know, you're a guy that's constantly looking for the cutting edge. Mm-hmm. Um, what keeps you from falling into complacency? The content. The content, I mean, these these people are continuing to pull out brand new stuff all the time, mm-hmm. and that's that's basically it. You know, we just try to do as much as we can, which is much as what they're doing, and share it around the yeah. world eventually. Yeah. And we're so lucky to know. I mean, look, you've introduced me, and I've been so... Uh, you know, blessed, I guess, by by the God that is D- John Davies and the church <laughs> that is Cinema Obscura. That's amazing. That I've gotten to, that I've gotten to meet people. Like Dustin Puehler is sincerely one of my favorite yeah. fucking people on yep. earth. Like, he's awesome. Uh, I remember when we talked to him about In a Moment, mm-hmm. and I was just like, "This is a this is a wildly inventive movie. That's it's a wildly inventive little movie." Mm-hmm. And um, even the astronaut diet. I can't wait for that. That was that was crazy. Mm-hmm. He just he he is just a spectacularly inventive person and everybody involved with this is just spectacularly inventive and it it gives it warms your heart and it gives you hope that we don't have to necessarily be going to uh see Venom every weekend. Right. Just shit right. movie. John Davies of Cinema Obscura that's going to be airing on Can TV November 5th. Monday, it's Monday at 11 p.m. Channel 19 on your cable provider. But check, you know, ask ask your call RCN, call Comcast, call the big bad guy that overcharges you to watch television, mm-hmm. and uh, ask where you can watch Can TV um, because it's going to be an event. And I mean, we're you're trying to get some watch parties going for like either this episode or future episodes, yeah, right? I, ideally, we'll be in the Logan Theater having a watch party for that. They're a great um, theater. It's amazing. That lounge area is perfect for what we're doing. We're going to transition over now. We're going to bring in uh, Mr. Matt Cipolla, talk a little bit about SIF. It's massive. It's like such a huge thing in the city of Chicago every year. So many films. And you've seen like a ridiculous number of them, right? I think I've seen 25. 25. 25 screenings in what? How Span of what? A week? Week and a half? Uh nine days i took one day off Jesus. yeah i mean my my top was like one one of one day i saw five in a day how do you even keep up with that as a film critic how do you keep up with watching that many movies in one day and being able to like analyze it i well what was nice is that when i the the head publicist said that we were only allowed to do capsule reviews instead of full reviews what's the difference so what's a capsule review so that's like I, I set my limit at like 225 words for all of the really? reviews that I wrote as opposed to a full review for me, which would be like 700. Mm-hmm. So um, like 200, 225 was what we we're kind of being held at. And so that gave me an opportunity to not, you know, it 
it, you, you didn't it, have to I didn't have to spread analysis. myself as thin. Right. I mean, and it, it was nice because I felt like for most of those movies, I said most of what I needed to say in that span of time. Mm-hmm. And about 150 of those words are usually a synopsis or a premise. Okay, a just to get people like, yeah, this is what the movie is about. Essentially. Um, so I was, it was, I was able to do that. I mean, it was everything I was... Everything I wrote and posted, I just it was in between movies. I did it all on my phone. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's just the way it is now, though. It's like you got you got your deadlines. You get a group of film you know film journalists or film critics just sitting in a corner. Yeah, just like typing it out. Yeah, because I don't want to take my laptop. Nah. So I just did everything while just sitting in the lobby on my phone, and that was about it. I was having it wasn't as bad as like. Because, like, when I was at Cannes, that was full reviews. And yeah. so that was just, like, not understanding what anyone was saying around me. Mm-hmm. And it was – I was the, – the, the sun was out, which was weird. So <laughs> I had to do – I had to deal with that also. But this, I was inside. And when I went outside, I my brain hemorrhaged. <laughs> so, I mean – Well, it's like, it's, like, one of the most difficult things to do, I think, is to cover a film festival because – Well, I don't have any perception of time. Yeah. Thing. You just lose. And you I just don't mind like, oh, that. Oh, my God really but then i go back to reality i'm just like oh my god what's happening yeah i'm so tired yeah where's the nearest goddamn starbucks i don't even like starbucks i'm just like where's the nearest fucking starbucks (laughs) i remember doing i was uh connor i know i covered the um critics festival you were also at the critics festival here loved it yeah i took my laptop there because they had a lounge they did have the lounge because i was was, so in on the lounge yeah because i was at the music box uh that lounge the entire week yeah i was just I, it was weird to be starstruck by local critics and journalists yeah yeah i saw uh katie rife who is someone that i adore her writing mm-hmm. um she is so so she's uh, she's like you she's just so uh in tune with i think um every film she watches or mm-hmm. every series i mean i think the most recent thing i read by her was her review of the haunting of hill house yeah she does a lot Netflix. of tv stuff also loves a lot of tv yeah, stuff and she just AV gets Club. it she totally gets it and um I remember, and I don't know if she ever listens to this show, but <laughs> she, uh, I, I was just like, hey, are you Katie Rife? And she's like, yeah, I am. I was like, I'm a huge fan. Like, <laughs> uh, we, we had had her on uh, on a show I produce here a couple of times, but it was always by phone, so I never met her in person. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, I'm that guy who sends you emails all the time. He's <laughs> trying to get you to come on to talk about, I think she talked about Wonder Woman once, and she actually, uh, we had to hit the dump button. She dropped a she dropped a curse word on, on live radio. We're oh, just like, ah, no. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. So there was about five seconds five ten seconds of silence for you know because she totally i think she was really tired she had just been doing a lot of stuff and she said shit on air or something which is like realistically speaking between 7 and 9 p.m on a on a saturday not the worst thing you can say no yeah but not quite safe harbor not sure. quite safe harbor but um yeah the covering festivals is so tiring i think for the critics film festival i only went to like maybe five screenings across the entire week yeah the critics fest is they spaced it pretty well it's a bit shorter and also it's because the music box is just the two theaters yeah they just rent out the main theater for the entire week so you could see every single thing yeah and you don't have to be like you don't have to you know puzzle together what you're yeah. gonna see and when it's just there it's just one after another it, you're just yeah like, and these four movies are like, playing today with like 25 minute intervals yeah between them but it's with that, it's. I think I went to seventeen or so mm-hmm. at the Critics Fest, and one of those I had I had already seen first performed when I went to. Because you caught it. I can. saw no. It, was, no, it was it was before camp. that. I, I I saw 
like a, I saw a screening in L, when I was in LA, mm-hmm. and so I was able to see it there, and then I was able to see it again at the Music Box when Paul Schrader was there at uh, like a, it was a Monday yeah. night, but they still had during a Cubs game, and they still had like four hundred people there. So that was it was wild. Cool. Yeah, it yeah, was wild. it was nice. So what what's What's the crowd like at SIF? Because this is a much bigger event in terms of scale. Um, and the number of films they're playing and like the places they're coming from because at other film festivals, more smaller scale ones like Critics Film Festival or Connor and I were at Middle Coast Film Festival over at the Davis. Um, you know, there's a good there's a good sized crowd. There's a lot of stuff going on. But um, again, it's one of those things where you don't have to make hard choices between, oh, am I going to see this or am I going to see this? And yeah. you're not dealing with um, some pretty big names when it comes to either guests or people also covering the events. So tell us a little bit about what was what, what the air was. What's the, what was going on? It, what was funny for me is that I let's see out of the like 25 or whatever I've seen so far. And I always say so far is because. Like, I didn't see anything yesterday. I didn't see anything today. Tomorrow, I'm seeing The Other Side of the Wind in Peterloo. Okay. Um, Other Side of the Wind, is that the is... unearthed Orson Welles movie. I'm very curious cool. about gonna, that. Yeah, so it's a new Netflix Orson Welles movie. So I'm going to... In a theater. So I'm going to see... I'm going to check every box I could possibly check uh-huh. in one. It's going to be weird. And then Peterloo, which is the new Mike Lee movie. Love Mike Lee. Naked was a, a fantastic film. Yeah, so I'm seeing so I'm seeing those two tomorrow, and then I'll be done. Um, but out of for most of them, there were press screenings, mm-hmm. and those are usually in the morning or early afternoon. And mm-hmm. I think the most I ever saw in one in one screening was maybe maxed out at like a combined P and I screening it was like twenty five for Ashes Pierce White. Yeah, it wasn't a ton. Um, and then when you go to an actual screening for the public, it's it usually errs towards sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's not, it's still quite crowded. Yeah. I mean, um, like when I, like happy is, uh, Lazaro, blah, 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 happy is Lazaro, which I also didn't see it can like that was sold out. Um, and then same with like, they got some last minute additions and people were mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'll go see Vox Lux. Cause they, yeah. I think they had to drop something and then that was what they replaced it with. Okay. Um, like let's let's hop into some picks. Uh, what what have what has impressed you the most so far? There's been uh, a lot of big big talk coming out of SIF um, about a few specific films, but I want to get your read on what have you seen so far that has legitimately impressed you? Yeah, I, there are some things I haven't seen. Like I just I couldn't make it to see the favorite, which is the new Yorgos Lanthimos. So I'm very excited for that. I wasn't, I wasn't able to see Widows. Like, there was some stuff I just couldn't make it to. Mm-hmm. And then there was other stuff where I'm, I'm like, this is coming out in a week. It's not a high priority. I yeah. can see this very soon. Um, but uh, Happy as Lazaro comes out in... It comes out later this month, or it comes out in November. It's it's before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an Italian film um, that won Best Screenplay can. Um, and it's essentially it takes place and they're not very clear as to what the time period is. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's like, you see some people with old cell phones, um, but it's uh, just basically follows a boy who is just so wide eyed and, you know, unperverted by Mm -hmm. the world around him. And he's essentially the embodiment of innocence and empathy. And it's just this allegory caked in, 
you know, religious illusions um, about how people react to kindness and how they exploit it or resent mm. it or are skeptical of it. Um, and it's, it doesn't hit every mark, um, but it's, it's touching and unique and really, really, f- it has like a, a wholesome sense of humor that doesn't feel cloying or saccharine or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is going to be a spicy proposition for a double feature, but just because of the, because there's one scene that reminded me of the movie I'm about to mention. And also just the, the amount of Catholic slash Christian illusions okay. in the mythology. I mean, his name is Lazaro, which is obviously Lazarus. Yeah. Um, yes. But double feature of happy as Lazaro. No, watch mother <laughs> want to die and then see happy as Lazaro. And then you'll feel better. <laughs> You and I love Mother. I, oh, I love Mother. Dude, I'm so pissed off at how much people don't like Mother. I've got some friends that think I'm a fucking moron oh, for liking Mother. I get Mother. it. I, I get it. it. I loved it. Oh, right? yeah. Okay, so this is the Mother fan club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, because I hate... Uh, I just... I love it when I... Because I, I saw that movie four times when that came out. Mm-hmm. Two of those times, I almost passed out. Seriously? Oh, yeah. I'm not joking. Yeah, the it's, last like it ten is minutes. One of those movies, like it's that, insane. It's like where you, yeah, like the last ten minutes where you think everything subsides, and then they have that like third act. Ah! Yeah, and then it's like, geez, what the hell's happening? I, I did. I the one way I could describe how I felt by the end of that movie, I was like, I just want to fucking die now. Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm yeah, ready. exactly. I'm ready to die. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, let's do it again. I think it's, I think it's easily Darren Aronofsky's best movie for me. Yeah. I, th- I, I like agree. and I and he makes movies that are just like what you could watch once and maybe be like I don't need to ever see this again because it's just so draining it is that, that's Requiem for a Dream for me mm-hmm. really not I mean and it, it's a great movie mm-hmm. it's a great movie it's one of the few movies that I think Jared Leto is actually good in <laughs> I am not part of the Jared Leto fan club but I'll give I'll give respect where respect is due he does exactly what he needs to do in that movie um but like I, I remember the last time I watched it. I think was uh, the morning. It was finals week when I was in college, probably like a junior year or something. And we were just so bored because we, me and my roommates, we all did not have finals that day. So it was like eleven o'clock in the morning. We're like, let's watch Requiem for a Dream. That's nice. and I just after it was done, I just crawled into bed. Yeah, I was just like, yeah, I'm not leaving my fucking bed for the rest of the day. It's not going to happen. And I, yeah. I don't think I've watched it since because I just, I just don't need to put myself through it. Mother is at least invigorating in a certain way. Yeah, in the sense that like it's so visually awesome because it's so it's so intricate and it's but also I, I mean, part of the reason I love it is just because it's so. I don't know if you call it cathartic because it's more. It's you're not really letting anything out. It's all crushing you until mm-hmm. it's a pancake. Mm-hmm. But God, it's it's just uh, it's technically it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um. So w- remind us what was the name of the so Happy as Lazaro, which is an Italian Happy as Lazaro. Yeah, Netflix bought it. I don't know if it's getting a theatrical release, like a limited theatrical release. But or that, at the very, do you think at very least we're going to get it as Netflix original? Yeah, like when they there. showed it at the festival, it, the it had the Netflix. Little fanfare beforehand. Yeah, the boom, boom. No, they actually oh, really? have a different one now. Oh hell yeah! Finally, yeah, it's better. It's, <laughs> they have a different one now, uh, and it's it's a little bit more animated. It has prettier <clears throat> colors. It's not going to blow out my fucking subwoofer at home. No, it's not like the junior T T H X sound effect. Can we bring that back? The THS like the I'm tired. Yeah, the, that thing. 
the brown note or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that really loud. Yeah, it's that's how you test your uh, your sound system. Yep. Uh, I wanted to ask you about uh, Roma. Did you get a chance to catch Roma? No, you didn't see it. No. Oh no. No. I'm a huge Alfonso Cuarón fan. I know. There was I was at a screening also afterwards. I think it was the next morning, and people kept talking. That about was it. a hell of a like, sellout. People yeah. were just like so gushing over it. Yeah, there were people in the. I was when I was seeing something else the next morning. There were some people, and I was. They kept talking about. It. I was just like, "Oh my god, just I haven't seen it." Shut up. Yeah. So I mean, it got to a point where I, I, I don't want to like be an ass. So I just kind of sat there and plugged my ears for five minutes. Mm-hmm. And that was about it. And then finally, the movie. Film started. critics being asses? No way. No. I know, right? That never happens. No. <laughs> <laughs> um anything else that stuck out to you that you were just like yeah the, not, it doesn't need to be perfect you know yeah there's nothing i i i loved um i really liked vox lux also mm-hmm. which is with natalie portman and rafi cassidy who was the daughter in the killing of a sacred deer um but and that also uh that's coming out in december that is uh that's an odd one. It's also put up by Neon, which we were talking okay. about before. Yeah, we've talked about Neon. Um, but it's about uh, a girl who... It's shameless, so it shouldn't work, yeah. but it does for the most part, at least in my opinion. Define shameless. Uh, well, let me tell you this. It opens with a title card that says Genesis, and then it has narration from Willem Dafoe, and then it goes right into a school shooting with heavy allusions to Columbine. That takes place in 1999, and like it has like a guy hanging out the window trying to get out. Like it's several allusions to it. It's like just basically they're just like, yeah, this is like it's by. they're not trying to hide it. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's the opening. Um, and so it's a girl who, when she's 14, she goes through that. She gets shot in the neck, and then she barely survives. Mm-hmm. And then she channels that into becoming a musician to wait as a way of channeling her grief. Mm-hmm. And then like after a while like she catches the eye of like the the town kind of sees her as almost like a beacon of hope and then a producer sees her and mm-hmm. so they kind of buy out her own little anthem of unity mm-hmm. and then she becomes a young pop star and she like that sort of perverts that yeah. sort of thing um and then so it's Rafi Casti is the young version of her and then and Natalie Borman is the older yeah version. she's the older version and um Jude Law is like the shady manager that, uh, or the producer that looks after her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's bizarre, but it's I mean it has a like a, it has a style and a stylishness mm-hmm. to it um, that I really enjoy for the first half. The second half kind of falls off a bit just because it kind of feels like an acting reel for Natalie Portman in her one of her funniest roles yet. <laughs> She's great. She's doing a thing which people are gonna love or hate because at first I was like. What are you doing? Because she has this really heavy Staten Island accent. And she's very <laughs> animated. Yeah. And so at first I'm just like, oh, don't she do that. She goes big. Yeah. And I was kind of worried at first, but then I realized that she's just vamping it up. Yeah. And so it's really funny. So does, was, that, does it play more like a satire? It is. Okay. It's definitely yeah. a satire. I mean, it's there are some points that are genuinely harrowing. Like that opening school shooting scene is, it's. That's just. Because it's so, it's so sudden. And yeah. it's genuinely it's so well done, and there are some there are a lot of parts that are just heavy, uh-huh. um, but then there are also a lot of parts where I, I was in a, like a pocket of people that were laughing really hard a lot because there are some points where it's just a lot of really awkward 
deadpan cringe humor mm-hmm. um especially and then when it goes on to later on when natalie portman's just being ridiculous it's like she's pathetic but it's also hilarious and they're taking the piss out of her even yeah. though they pity her at the same time mm-hmm. um and so i was in this pocket of people that were laughing really hard and then i remember the next day i was seeing something else and there was a woman who was like yeah so i saw vox lux and like there are these people laughing a lot and i'm like how is this funny and I was obviously one of those people. Yeah. Was like, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, mean, I wasn't the only, like, I would have felt bad if I were the only person. Yeah. But there were obviously people who yeah. thought it was hilarious. I mean, it's one of those things where you don't get to choose how you react to a film. Yeah. Yep. Um, you really, I, I, I always feel bad because, like, I'll be watching a movie that I think is, like, fairly serious. Yeah. And, like, people will laugh. There'll be moments where they laugh. And I get, like, really, I get upset. And I'm just like, well, how are you reacting to this? But then I have to remind myself, you don't get to choose how you react to something. You, yeah. ju- you just do. Um, and it's, I don't think it really says anything about the per. It could say something about the person. It could say something about the film. That's, I mean, that's critical theory shit. You know, we'll leave that up to Derrida and all those fucking guys. But, um uh i i have to remind myself that you know we can't decide how people are going to react to something you know they might sincerely find it funny and um people's sense of humor just rain it just runs the gamut i know there's plenty of things that i find hilarious that people are just like that's that's kind of fucked up i'm like no but it's uh, (laughs) a. I, I like to use the dead Kennedys as a as a litmus test. Be like, how do you feel about the dead Kennedys? Like, what do, do you think? Do you think the dead Kennedys are like promoting certain things? I yeah, mean, I mean, I think like it's, I, I think it's the between this and Killing of a Sacred Deer. I'm curious. Killing of a Sacred Deer is fucking crazy. I love that's. I'm not, and this is not planned, but I think that that's the funniest movie of 2017. It might be because it's it's so suffocatingly deadpan. Yeah. And I remember I saw that one night. I saw opening night, uh-huh. and the, a, a lot of the theater was laughing. And I saw it again the very next night, and the entire theater was silent. Yeah. Hmm. Yorgos Lathamos. Interesting. Would you do that as a double feature with Vox Lux? Yeah. Could it work? Yeah, it could work. If if nothing else, to see Rafi Cassidy just be really odd and stilted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did she do that same thing with Vox Lux? Yeah, she did something similar. I mean, mm-hmm. she's a bit more humanized because she is actually living in something that is more tethered to our reality. Yeah. As opposed to like a a, a, a bubble just coated in yeah. nihilism. <laughs> but <laughs> that's a good way to describe killing of a sacred. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I enjoyed it. I my There are a couple issues that I had just in terms of um, the there are points where specifically towards the end without spoiling anything like the finale mm-hmm. is too generically staged and shot to for like such a weird movie yeah to pull to to land to stick the landing especially because some of that like some of it's more what could be considered cliched on paper some mm-hmm. of those more aspects some of those aspects are obviously intentional in other mm-hmm. parts and in the very ending like you understand what he's going for but it doesn't pay off at the end really okay. um there are parts of it that i liked but it's it's just shot in a very kind of Convent- standard like yeah. wide shot medium shot that hollywood but, yeah style yeah yeah and like you also could make an argument that that's the point but it it lost its self-referentialness okay after a while okay and uh just to confirm this uh mel gib or meg oh i thought this said what yikes 
Wrong turn. I, yeah, sorry. I was I was looking at the Wikipedia here, and f- I swear to God, for the last fifteen minutes, I thought it said Mel Gibson as Celeste's mother. I was like, oh, that's an interesting choice. Um, so Vox Lux, uh, anything that really disappointed you? Wait, I'm sorry. So how did you come up with Mel Gibson? I ju- I saw Meg Gibson, oh. and for some reason, I thought oh. it said Mel for like the last fifteen minutes. Oh, I thought okay. It said Mel Gibson okay. as Celeste's mother. Oh, um, no. <laughs> cut. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Was there anything that really disappointed you, just real briefly, like, uh, just not anything special? I can't think of, I one if nothing else, I think it's nice to see something with very little expectations. You can't be disappointed. Um, there was the new Olivier Asias movie, um, which coming off of, I really, really liked both Clouds of Sales Marie and Personal Shopper. Just mm-hmm. his Personal best, Shopper was really good. His last two movies. Uh, he had... Uh, nonfiction, which is, uh, you know, thematically very much in line with what he has done thus far, but also feels like a simplification of his themes. Okay. Um, so in that way, it's disappointing. It's really well directed, just in terms of because it's the entire thing is a conversation piece. Um, it's really well directed in how he stages those and he keeps up the pace really well. And there are some very subtle visual callbacks later mm-hmm. on in terms of how he frames and shoots different scenes right um and so it's it is a decent it is a well-made movie it's just so shallow and it's that sort of mm-hmm. like that sort of like pseudo intellectualism where no one is different like he clearly wants to make characters that are archetypes to express different you know you know mindsets that are all like just different voices of himself um but he they all feel exactly the same like you gotta at least have at least a different like at least a bit of texture and he doesn't reach that um so it just it was understandable in its intent and decently entertaining and then just middle middle and then i forgot about it yeah i mean um that's almost worse than being bad i guess i had just yeah, I mean, it's I'm I'm obviously I'm still excited about what he does next, yeah. which I mean, he's been cranking stuff out like year after year, so mm. I'm sure he's going to have one out in like 3 hours. Um, <laughs> but uh and then other things that actually disappointed me, I I can't think of anything where I was just like, "Oh god, um it's not good." No, I mean, there wasn't I mean, there was only one movie that I saw was awful which was this uh chinese comedy called the road not taken which uh if anyone ever saw this movie boundaries from earlier this year with vera farmiga and christopher Plummer, mm-hmm. that shit show it's like sitting through that thing again but it's with two subtitles. hours instead of an hour and a half <laughs> yeah. um it's extra half hour of misery nice yeah it's it's rough so would you say that this have you been is this your first sif or have you been to previous years no it's my first one actually first one how'd you how'd you rate it like you don't have to give me a number necessarily but like good experience bad experience oh no i enjoyed it like obviously i really want to go back again um uh let's see i don't know maybe i'm just pretentious but amc is just like or rivery specifically has got to get better seats yeah that's that's my that place main, is gross. Yeah, my mm. main complaint with most theaters is that the seats are never really that good. And it's it's just put like I don't mind what the 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 like ergonomically do whatever just ha- make me stand but just it's fine <laughs> just 
if it's like a pleather material, that's fine because that doesn't absorb. That's more of like a cell wall instead of a membrane, and yeah. so like spilled stuff does not does not stick seep in. There are so many seats at River East with white stains. Ew. I don't know uh, what happened, but they're everywhere. Oh, there's a lot of white stains, and it's not just like oh they're old. I yeah. really hope that's butter. It's I don't uh, yeah. I don't I mean butter was probably involved but I don't know. Oh wow. I River East this is your call out post. Fucking fix that shit. Yeah, they have the one Dolby theater that they put in a year or two ago. Yeah, I've never um, gone in there. It's it's what I like about that theater is that it's they designed it in a way that no matter where you're sitting, you feel like you're more or less the only one in there. That's cool. It's pretty sweet. Um just, I got to get in there. I've been meaning to because I just need to know what the premium format thing is about. Um, yeah. Cause like, you know, we've Connor and I have talked about it, but we've never actually had the chance to go in there. Cause there's, there's just been movies that we just don't really want to see. Like Dolby Atmos is not going to save us from like the predator. Mm-hmm. Like that's just going to be bad no matter how you see it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm just waiting. Is, I, do you know if, I wonder if the new Halloween is playing in, I think it is. Oh, fuck yeah. There you go. Let's do it. Um, well, then, Chicago International Film Festival, another year in the bag. It's just an, one of many film festivals that go on. And, you know, it's uh, unfortunately, I did not, I couldn't go to any of the screenings. Mm-hmm. I was just like, book solid. But uh, hopefully, hopefully, in the next year, there's always next year, and there's always so many more film festivals to go to with playing a little bit smaller stuff. Again, not, and I don't mean this as a as a uh, criticism, but I always like to call it capital I indie. This is like the uh, bit big indie kind of stuff, not the things that you might find at smaller film festivals. John Davies, Matt Sapola, thank you both so much for coming on the show. Uh, so good to see you both again. You're always welcome to stop by. Uh, just a reminder. Cinema Obscura on Can TV Channel 19. Please call your cable provider and make sure that you get Can TV. If you don't, tell them that your friend John is going to be on TV, yeah, and you have buddy. to you got to you got to see his work. You got to see fantastic work. It's going to be November 5th at 11 p.m. And also follow Cinema Obscura on Facebook. You're still doing the TV parties. Oh yeah, still yeah. going Once on. Once a month, Logan Theater. Once a month yep. at the Logan Fe- Theater. Mm-hmm. Among, I mean, and there's some other places you've done it as well. Or is Logan going to be the foreseeable home of? That's the that's the the main hub of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also in Star Lounge every once in a while. We're in Atomic's cool. Coffee Shop every once in a while, and Great. other places throughout. So definitely check us out and see what we're doing. Yeah, we're doing see it. some weird shit. Mm-hmm. See some very cool, weird local shit. Uh, Matt, you can follow him at Matt Sapola, or sorry, at Sapola Matt. Yes, I always have to remind myself of that. Yeah. Uh, you can read his stuff on Film Monthly, and remind us where we can read that new uh, article on Killing of a Sacred Deer. So that's it. Um, that's on Brightwall Dark Room. Uh, there's that. There's also a thing I wrote for Crooked Marquee about Eyes Wide Shut and how it helped me realize that I was asexual. So that was also another piece that's up. Um, and then just stay tuned for who God knows what's going to come next. Mm. Hopefully more. Yeah. <laughs> I, d- I will say, <laughs> oh, there's going to be more. Don't act like there's not going to be more. <laughs> uh, eyes wide shut. That definitely made me very wary of like, God's sexuality is stupid. Mm. <laughs> I was just like, this is, oh, man. Just how quickly it can get you into lots of trouble. God. It's be just, careful <laughs> out there, everybody. Be careful. All right. This has been NoCo Cinema here on WGM+. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I am Tom Hush, and we'll see you all next week. <laughs>